Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year, we all congregate. The bounce all gathered at the church of Tilgate. The scriptures reading from the book of Monson. Our favorite verse, my God, of precious. Drunk and obnoxious, what children face. Ain't nothing finer in the land. Now the 3,000 of our best friends. It's Saturday in that thing. Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, joined as always by my co-host, Boss Dog. And Boss, our esteemed guest picker this week, return guest, uh, former Diamond Dog, current pitcher in the Rays organization, and certainly a DGD, Cole Wilcox, hanging out with us again. Cole, what's up, brother? Shoot, not too much. Just enjoying the dog so far. Yeah, man, you got that right. So I know you're you're keenly interested. What has uh what has I guess stuck out to you the most so far about their 2021 team and season? Uh, I think I got two things. One is I heard all off season that uh, Kirby and Laney were going to let the guys get upfield more. Um, they're going to let guys like because you know that's the, always been the defensive plan with Kirby is keep the quarterback in the pocket. Um, put pressure on him from inside the pocket and make make the secondary uh, be in good coverage. But this year, they they I heard they were going to let guys like Jordan Davis, Vontae White get upfield, Adam Anderson come at the come at the quarterback, and I think it's paying off big time. Um, even they, they just get there so fast that they don't even have time to escape. So I was glad to see that. I think it's really going to help guys, especially come draft time, um, showing they can pressure the quarterback a little bit. And then number two, a full off season with Todd Monken has done wonders. The guy's a wizard play caller. Um, you just, it, I thought the best play of the game was him letting Stetson pull it the first play, making the linebackers honor that, and then that just opened up everything. He's just, he's just really good at what he does. That's a phenomenal point. I thought the exact same thing. Number one, I thought it got him comfortable because he's immediately on the move and and in action. But beyond that, to your point. What was a nine yard game, first play of the game, or something like that? And I think it immediately puts Arkansas on its heels to go, whoop, hold on a sec. We weren't, it's not what we game plan for. Cause I'm yeah. sure all week they game plan for JT, right? Yeah. And you have to honor it after, after he pulls it. And especially in the, uh, the drop five defense they run. I mean, there's not much, there's not much up front to stop that. So you're taking away one of the six that are there and it just makes it super difficult. So I thought, I thought it was pretty interesting post game when they interviewed Stetson, he said, yeah, I knew I was the starter on Monday, yeah. which I thought two things said the injury was more serious than they let on with JT. But beyond that, um, obviously big time strategic move to just say, we're going to see what happens. Cause now Arkansas, the whole week's going, well, JT's going to play. It's just like a little lap thing. he'll play. Yeah. And so they're preparing for that pass and that 
kind of keep that shell back there when they run it. What did we end up running fifty six times or something like that? Yeah, so. I mean, we just lined up and and it. I think it really benefited us being able to do that too, get the offensive line some confidence going into the next week, and hopefully they keep playing like that because they played really really well. Well, let's also hand out the tweet of the week award to you, Cole, for your Jalen Carter tweet. I mean, that was awesome. Just just the, the gift of all gifts, brother. I mean, that thing was just perfect. <laughs> And it, it yeah. really, it, it really sent me down a rabbit hole too, because it took me down this whole thing where he legitimately is a transformer and he's not of this planet. And I've just been on that all week. <laughs> yeah. Herb Street was so so keen on Jordan Davis. I don't think he noticed Jalen Carter was out there until after the commercial break. But I mean, he just straight up took out three dudes. It was unbelievable. I, I think you're exactly right because even on the replay you could kind of see him realize, oh, my God, Jalen Carr just blocked three dudes because he kind of goes, I was so focused on the other big fella that, like, I don't know, it was – I mean, that was a bananas play. I hope they run that again. Yeah. Um, speaking of the D tackles and the D line, the Athletic did a their first straw poll for the Heisman this year, and Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis both got votes in the Athletic Staff Writers straw poll. That's insane. The stuff that Jordan Davis does is is pretty incredible. I saw that Nicobe and Clay Walker were graded as like the two highest linebackers of the week. And I, I was told somebody here, I was like, you know how fun it'd be to play linebacker in the system where you got two guys up front who are eating two guys each. So you can just plug whatever hole you want to. I mean, that frees them up to do anything. Yeah. And their depth is just outrageous too. I mean, you're rolling Trayvon Walker out there. You're rolling out. I mean, they just – it's one after the other, right? I mean, Julian Rochester and, and Walther have played unbelievable when they come in. Yeah. I think Walther's been big time standout. Like, he's really flashed a bunch. I agree with that 100%. Well, speaking of the athletic, Max Olson for the athletic did an article today, and I want to hit you boys with some stats, and then we'll just talk about this. So, he's writing about how George's defense has been otherworldly. So, this is what he laid out in his article. Georgia's defense has produced stops on 93% of their drives. They have allowed zero touchdowns in the red zone. They have uh, garnered more sacks with 18 than they have given up passes of 10-plus yards, only 16. Uh, In the last four games combined, the defense has only given up 170 passing yards in the second half total across all four games. And boys, that's in games where at halftime they were leading 35 nothing, 26 6, 38 nothing, and 24 nothing. So everybody and their mama knows the other side is going to throw the football. Still yeah. couldn't do nothing. And then this one's probably the kicker the defense has only given up 16 points through five games. Only one other team in the last 40 years has done that, 1993 Florida State team. So, I mean, I just start with you, Cole. Like, you hear those numbers. What does that hit you with? That's insane. I mean, they're, they're doing something that, no, that nobody else can do, clearly. And, you know, I don't know if it's Kirby's complexity or it's just straight up the athletes up front. I don't know. But the back end's been just as good as the front seven. And I was like, everybody wants to credit the front seven, and they deserve a majority of the credit, but the back end has been just as good. Uh, Ringo's coming to his own. Darian Kendrick's been everything we thought he'd be. The Clemson fans told us he wouldn't be. And 
the same. Chris Smith is and Louis Seen might be the two best safeties in there. Well, hold on, we'll talk about that, boss. I want to know what you think when you hear all those numbers. First off, as opposing fans, their narrative is we haven't played anybody. Well, we're still playing D1 competition. Every other school is playing D1 competition, and everybody in the SEC still has to play these teams too. So what are they doing against these teams? That's, that's my argument to these guys all the time. These stats are unheard of, and the stat that you know, was on college football final about the 200-plus points and the 25-less points has only been done five times since 1950 and not last time was 20 years ago, Virginia Tech. So what Georgia's defense doing right now is unheard of. And, I mean, this is Kirby having all of his guys, and this is his baby. And it's, you know, coming into its own. And I can't wait to see what it does the rest of the season. Yeah, there was one more stat in that article that I forgot, but they are producing three and outs on 57% of their drives, (laughs) which is, I mean, it's just outrageous. Like, That's ridiculous. You're just, you're getting the ball back immediately, essentially every time. And there was some, uh, he, 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 mentioned something else in the article, which obviously all Georgia fans should go read it because it's just makes you get so fired up. But it was something about teams are even having difficulty getting across midfield. Like that has become the accomplishment because nobody's scoring. And, you know, even their points per game figure is a little bit blown out of proportion because the one touchdown was late in the fourth against South Carolina. And I mean, we were there. First team defense wasn't even playing. So like, I don't know. It, uh, they, it takes a big play to move the ball. Like, you, you're not just going to strand plays together, get chunk plays. Like you got, you got to have a big play in order to score any points. Well, Cole, I want to come back to your point about Lewis Seen because my brother and I were watching the game on Saturday, and Seen made the play where he kind of came down on Traylon Burks and knocked the ball out, and we kind of looked at each other like, you know, that's a great play, and he's doing it every game. And nobody's really talking about it. I feel like he's having a fantastic season. And it's just kind of blending in because the defense has been so otherworldly. But, I mean, obviously you've seen the same thing with with what he's doing and what Chris Smith is doing in that defensive backfield. Yeah, he's. I think he's the most underrated player on the defense by far. Um, I think the way – I mean, you only see him on the screen and then a linebacker will get – or a running back will get it plus two and here he is just plugging the hole – at lightning speed like he's he just he's not on the screen and then all of a sudden he's stopping to play for minimal gain he's he's probably one of the best tacklers in the back end in the nation and his cover skills i think have vastly improved i don't know who, who's that to credit i don't know if it's a die coming in helping him out but he's his cover skills have vastly improved from last year to this year so you brought up coach munkin's offense and i do want to talk about the offense a little bit um and Kirby mentioned this in the post game, and I thought it was kind of some keen insight from his side. He's like, you know, the best teams I've ever coached have taken on the personality during the week that they needed to to beat the opponent that they were playing. And I think he's right about that. And I think this team has already showed that in a lot of ways. I mean, what if they threw the ball 11 times Saturday and just ran it down Arkansas's throat? And then they flung it around a little bit against UAB to kind of show that aspect of the offense. And, oh, by the way, like, 
top talent on the offensive side of the ball, not even playing. I mean, JT's played essentially like seven quarters, and George Pickens didn't play. Darnell Washington really hasn't played outside of last game, and he only blocked essentially. Um, Kyrus really hasn't played. Don Blaylock hasn't played. Arian Smith really hasn't played. <laughs> I mean, these aren't like, you know, pair of shoes type guys. We're talking big-time offensive weapons haven't even gotten run in the offense yet. So what do you see this offense doing, Cole, once they get healthy? I mean, I think I think it's kind of like the reverse LSU of 19 where their defense struggled for, you know, a majority part of the year, and they started getting guys back towards the end, and then all of a sudden it was like, yeah, you're not beating this team. I think – Georgia's offense has been really good, and I think that's a credit to Monken. I think he's using guys to, to the best of their strength. I think he's using Lad McConkie really well. Clearly, he's using Brock Bowers really well. He's using guys who you didn't expect to make that big impact and using their strengths to do it. Um, and I think I think even if JT played last week, I still think we're running the ball 40-plus times. Just if they're, they're begging you to, and if you can do it, why not, in the defense that they run. And so that's, that's what I like about Monken the most. He came in as an air raid guy, and so that's probably – that's what he wants to do, clearly. He wants, he wants to throw the ball around and score points, but he's also going to take what you give him. If you're going to run a 3-3-8 like, or 3-3-5, well, he's going to take that and run the ball on you. Well, I want to ask you about Auburn. They're obviously coming off a big win in Death Valley on a Saturday night. Neither, Based on our picks last week, neither boss nor I saw that one coming. Yeah. Um, Bo Nix obviously played a good ball game, and he seems to be the type of guy that there's a lot of potential there. And some games it looks like he's able to put it together a little bit, and then other games he just looks like he's swimming. I will say this. We've played him twice when he was a quarterback, and I think the game plan from Kirby and Coach Lanning both times was right on par with what they needed to do, and I certainly expect the same on Saturday. But given that it's on the Plains, given it's a tough place to play, it's going to be the first quote-unquote real road game for Georgia this year, because I don't really count Vandy. Uh, that's kind of like Sanford North. Yeah. <laughs> you, this game give you any pause, or do you think it's going to be more of the same uh, like it's been the first five games of, of the season? I mean, I think it has to. I think it has to make give you a little pause. I mean, I was there in 17 when they just blew our doors off there, and that wasn't fun. Uh, it's it, it really is a tough place to play. It's the first time I'd ever been there, and it's – it's it's a good atmosphere. It was really cool, honestly. I didn't I didn't I didn't really know what to expect going in, but it's it's a it's a tough place to win. Um, and they're always going to have talent. I mean, they they recruit the west side of Georgia. They recruit a lot of guys that I mean, Auburn has pool. No matter how good they are, they're going to get athletes. So I think talent wise, it's probably the best talent we've played at this point. Maybe Clemson, but I think I I still think we're going to be able to run the ball on them. Um, I think we're going to be able to do. Kind of, they run a similar offense to Arkansas, um, so I, I'm hoping that we're able to run the ball. They might adjust that a little bit since that's in play, but um, I, I don't worry about defense and game plan because there's only – I mean, maybe maybe LSU in 18 is the only game we went into with, like, not a great game plan on defense, but since then, Kirby's been nails when it comes to putting in the game plan throughout the week. Well, the other thing I want to ask you guys was, I guess from a roster perspective, one of the interesting things is, is that Georgia's going to see D-Rob on the other side of the football this weekend, and he's had a pretty good year so far for Auburn. I think he's got 17 catches, a few touchdowns, um, so they're obviously utilizing him there. Will that be something interesting for y'all to watch just from a viewer perspective, kind of having your eye on him and seeing what he'll do, or, or, or where are y'all at on that? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I think anytime you see a familiar face, it's you know, obviously being a dog, you want him to do want him to do well. But um, it'll be interesting to see how because nobody knows him better than Kirby, I'd say. So I guess it depends on how they use him. He's he's a good athlete, so he's be, he'd definitely be one you got to slow down. He can definitely take the top off the defense. I am glad that he's having yeah, success, but just I just hope he doesn't have it this week. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> heard that. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of right there with you. Obviously, seems like a really good kid. Teammates that have talked about him like him a lot, and I'm the same. Hope he does great. I just hope he doesn't have any catches this week. It's kind of like what you said week one about um, Justin Ross. Yeah, Ross was like, I'm really rooting for Justin Ross this year to come back, but I hope he has zero catches on Saturday night. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think I'm on board with that too. Um, 3.30 kick. So first time the, the dogs are kicking at 3.30 this year, first of three in a row, which I think obviously speaks to where, where they're at this year and kind of where they're shifting. I know you do, boss. What's your feelings on Danielson and uh, Nestler, Cole? You all right with that broadcast team, or does Danielson <laughs> chap your ass like it does everybody else that watches him? <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it can get on your nerves for sure, but – I, the, I like the CBS broadcast itself. I mean, I think it's just the epitome of SEC football. So it's always cool to see that. Well, know. we don't have Danielson this week. They really? have the double header. We have oh, that's uh, Murray right. and oh, that's we right. have Murray and whoever uh, his p- partner is. Yeah, I like that. Then Danielson's I next totally week. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, that's right. Because uh, Danielson and Nestler are doing the eight o'clock kick nice. with Bama and A and M. Yeah, that works. I mean. Gary Danielson really knows football. Don't get me wrong. Like he's, he's very knowledgeable on the sport, but he just gets stuck on stuff sometimes. He's stuck on one thing, and he'll be talking about it for eight minutes of the quarter. You're like, all right, dude, we just – I mean, there's been ten points scored since you get on this topic. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I do. Boss, I forgot. I totally forgot that Aaron's doing the game Saturday. I haven't heard him do a play-by-play in a while. That'll be interesting to hear. Well, um – well, let's pick some games, boys. We got ten games here on the slate, and Cole's got to Cole's got to put a week forward here. He's got to get at least seven wins to bring home the ten pounds of red here. So, week, dude. Uh, we had Drew Parker on last week, and Drew started off hot. He was five and one to start the day, and we thought, oh boy, we'll yeah. have himself a week. Six and four, six <laughs> and four finish. So, at one that two. afternoon and night slate. Came at him quick. Yeah. All right. Well, we are going to pick first. We're going to start with a with a Friday night doubleheader. And first game we're going to pick here is Temple at Cincinnati. A couple reasons for this game being on here. Obviously, Cincinnati, I don't even guess you can call them a dark horse anymore. They are just a legitimate contender for this weekend at Notre Dame Stadium. And then we got Temple, which sure nobody cares about, but Juan Mathis playing quarterback for the Owls and had a whale of a ball game last week. So it was a compelling game, I thought, for those two reasons. Cincinnati is a monster favorite, 29 and a half points. So who you like getting out, Cole? You like Cincy to cover that number, or you think Temples and Dwan Mathis are going to give him a little trouble? No, I was glad to see Dwan have a good game. Uh, he, did, he definitely put up some big-time numbers. Uh, but Cincinnati's legit. I mean, I think they have every right to make the playoffs if they went out just the way they played us last year and the way they went on the road twice now um, against good teams and won. So, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to lay the points of Cincinnati in this one. I think I think they're too good. It might be a letdown spot. I could get burned, but I, I think Luke Fickle's a heck of a coach. I think 
What you think, boss? Cincinnati has to demolish teams to make the playoffs. They have to. Their the rest of their schedule is is weak. They don't play another ranked team. And I mean, maybe another team could sneak into the back of the top 25 the rest of the season, but they have to beat the doors off the teams. And Temple just doesn't have the talent. It's a Friday night game coming off a big win. There might be a little bit of a letdown, but even with a little bit of a letdown, there's too much talent on Cincinnati to not blow them out. I'm so conflicted on this. 29 and a half is a lot of points. Like, I thought twice about taking the dogs when they were favored by like 34 and a half at Vandy. I was a little bit different because I knew Vandy wasn't going to score any points. And I just kind of figured law of attrition, the dogs would cover that. Man, that's a big number. I don't know. I think I'm, I think I'm going to roll with Dwan here. I am. I'm taking the road dog and former DGD Dwan Mathis to keep it tight enough where <laughs> For 29 and a half, does not get covered. But you and I haven't picked a Friday night game right once this season. So now one of us will be right finally on a Friday night. That's true. We're not yeah, Cole, the same team. One way yeah, to do it. That's true, Cole. Me and Boss, we've had a hard time on Friday nights. So, all right. Well, hey, we got two shots this week, too, because we're also going to pick Stanford and Arizona State. So I mean, I, this is another one that's kind of funny to me. Like, Stanford, big win against Oregon last week. Arizona State looked good last week, too. Arizona State, Arizona State playing at home. 11.5-point favorite, though. Like, I feel like Stanford's just begging you here with that number. But I don't know. I, I have no feel for the Pac-10. I thought Oregon was just going to walk away with that conference because it's such a bad conference, and they went in and did what they did in Columbus. But I don't know. What do you, what do you got on this one, Cole? Yeah, I'm like you. I have no feel in the Pac-12. I've never, I've never picked a game route there's on a state involved ever. Um, but since week one, when Stanford looked like flaming garbage, they've been really good since. And so I'm, I'm gonna ride the hot team with 11 and a half points. I'll take Stanford with a point. What you think, boss? I like the points here. I don't think Stanford's gonna win. I think ASU's gonna win at home, but that's a big number and. I mean, Vegas has shown why they know what they do and why those guys can you know, live in mansions and build casinos, but that's a lot of points. I, I think that number is going to go down the closer we get to game time, but for now, with 11 and a half, I'm taking that. Yeah, I'm with y'all. I'm taking Stanford, too. I, I just that, – that number seems funky to me. I don't know what it is about it. I just feel like Stanford's been playing good football – I think we've all probably been a little bit jaded about them since week one because to your point, Cole, they looked horrendous. Um, and they've been playing solid, coming off a big win, a lot of momentum. I- I'm with you guys. I'm-, I'm taking Stanford. I'm, you know, fear the tree on Friday night. That's where I'm at with it. So I'd like to see David Shaw's numbers as a road dog. I mean, I bet, I bet he's covered a lot. Yeah, that's a good point, too. I feel like in these situations, you got to take a good, a good coach. He's certainly that. So I'm right there with you on that. That's a great point. All right. So South Carolina going to Knoxville to play Tennessee. Tennessee absolutely beat the brakes off Mizzou. And I absolutely did not see that one coming. Um, South Carolina's defense has looked solid. Uh, They struggled against Troy last week. I think their offense is kind of anemic. But the front seven's been been pretty stout. But – and then Hooker looked good last week. And Tennessee is a 10.5-point favorite at home. We, th- we think about that one, Cole. 
Yeah, I mean, South Carolina, um, like, the final score didn't look great against Troy, but they also had Deshaun Jackson drop ball before the goal line. And then I think with Tennessee, I don't think they're that much better than Missouri. I think it's one of those things where momentum kind of got the game rolling and they just rode it, and Missouri just died. So I'm, I'm going to take South Carolina with the points. Uh, I think I think Tennessee's going to be the hot public pick this week with that, just coming off the big win. So I'm, I'm going to go South Carolina. Both these teams are garbage. I, <laughs> I'll I'll go with South Carolina. I don't like that pick, but I don't think Tennessee's very good. Uh, Tennessee, although was a missed fourth down, a drop fourth down pass away from making the Florida game a, a cl- much closer game than it was. But I don't think Florida's very good. So I'll go, I'll take South Carolina and the points. Uh, Tennessee should win this, but it's that game's going to be ugly. This is a completely reactionary pick because they burnt me so bad last week. Like, I felt real good about the Mizzou pick last week. Yeah. <laughs> and Tennessee goes out and hangs 60 on them. Um, so, yeah, I'm taking the balls. That's just the long and short of it. It has nothing to do with the quality of their ball team. This is just yeah. purely reactionary on me getting burnt last week. <laughs> so, I'm taking them this week. <laughs> That's it. That's as long and short of it. All right. This, is, this game, next one, is purely about – are they going to cover the number? So is 38 and a half points too much for Florida against Vandy, or is that not nearly enough? What do you think, Cole? I think, I think other than the military schools, Florida is the most one-dimensional team in the country, and I don't, I don't think that can cover 38 and a half points. I'll take Vandy. I mean, if Vanderbilt scores one touchdown, I think they cover. What do you think, boss? I completely agree with Cole. They cannot throw the ball at all. And even though they may play Richardson more today, I mean, they didn't cover against what FAU and who they play the second week of the season, South Florida, Florida, South Florida. Yeah. Yeah. South Florida. They couldn't cover against either one of them. Vandy's in the same vein as them. Vandy's probably, Vandy is a little worse, but they had, you know, smaller spreads then. I I don't see them covering here either. Cole may have just dropped my favorite line in the history of the podcast. (laughs) Other than the military schools, Florida (laughs) is the most one-dimensional team in the country. I think we're going to have to put that on a poster. And um, I love that. And for that reason, I am with you boys. I'm taking Vandy. I just don't think Florida can cover that number. They've shown nothing all year long to say that there's some kind of offensive juggernaut. And I think people are so stuck on what they were last year and keep discounting the fact that they had super freak Kyle Pitts. They had perfect quarterback for that offense, Kyle Trask. And then you also had uh, – I always forget the kid's name. Who's the guy that's with the Giants now that could run – You know, Kadarius he could turn the light off and be in a bed. Yeah, Kadarius Tony. I mean, dude, they, they were loaded. Defense still stinks just like it has the entire time Todd Grantham's there. So, yeah, I'm Kyle, with you boys. I think Kyle Van Pitts, can Kyle Pitts is one of the best college players of the last 10 years. I mean, you saw you saw what happened when he was out. Even the second half of our game, they didn't move the ball. And then the bowl game, they didn't move the ball at all. So, he, yeah, he was a generation. Yep. All right, one of my favorite rivalries of the year, one of my favorite games of the year, the Red River Shootout in Dallas. Oklahoma and Texas squaring off at the Cotton Bowl. Texas State Fair, people going to be eating seven-and-a-half-foot-long corn dogs and, you know, uh, funnel cakes the size of Oklahoma. I mean, it just sounds like the greatest time you could possibly have, right? Which he closed on anyways. So, I don't know. Oklahoma, three-and-a-half-point favorite. I have no feel for them whatsoever. And then Texas, I, who knows what they are either. 
Who do you think covers that number? Three and a half, Oklahoma's favorite. Um, uh, Oklahoma's been begging to get beat all year. Uh, I don't – the game being in Texas, I like the half point. I'm going to take Texas three and a half. What you think, boss? I think the Horns win. I, I, I really do. I do not like Oklahoma. Every week, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop with them. I thought West Virginia should have beat them, and – I think they lose this week. I, I just think there's they've got a dynamic running game. They're not Texas doesn't really throw the ball that great, but that that running back's good enough for them to control the ball. And Rattler just he, I mean, I, I hate to use this term, but he every time he drops back to pass, he's got happy feet and he looks rattled every single time. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with y'all. I I think they've been flirting with disaster all year. Uh, I think it started week one when Tulane did to him what they did to him, and Tulane stinks out loud and scored, what, 40 on him? And they just – something seems off about them. They just don't seem right. Uh, West Virginia could have beat them. Kansas State played them tight last week. I mean, K-State always plays Oklahoma tight, I feel like. But, yeah, I'm with y'all. Rivalry game, noon start. Texas has been seemingly finding their footing the last few weeks. Uh, I love the way Sark – calls a football game so yeah I, I like i like hook them too i think i think the horns take care of it not not just to cover i kind of think they win straight up too I, i'm with y'all I, I just think they outright winners so uh i'm gonna take uh i'm gonna take texas as well all right this is a monster matchup which i don't know if anybody would have forecasted this at the start of the season but penn state going to play iowa Iowa's a one and a half point favorite what is it uh Three versus four, four versus five, something three versus four after last week. I mean, it's a huge game. Uh, who are you liking this one, Cole? Uh, I've been on Iowa all year. I'm going to keep riding them out. Um, Penn State, Penn State's best win is Auburn at home. Still don't know how great that win is. Uh, I'm, I'm riding Iowa. I've been hollering them all year. I'm going to keep riding them. How about you, boss? Before last week, I was going to go Penn State, no questions asked. Um, after last week and after – Iowa just demolished Maryland and Penn State looked mediocre on offense against Indiana. The defense looked really good, but the offense just stuck in neutral all all game. I think Iowa is going to handle this, and I don't think it's going to be really close. Uh, I mean, I expect this to be two, maybe three scores, and then Penn State trying to be playing catch up most of the game, and you know that's when they're going to turn the ball over because that defense is is really really good. When you play Iowa, you turn into Iowa. It doesn't matter who you're playing, especially at home. They're, they're going to turn you into whoever they're playing. Yeah, I, I just think – and if that same Max Olsen article that shows you how great Georgia's defense has been, you look at the numbers, darn if Iowa's defense ain't been almost as good. I mean, them boys are playing some defense. And I'm with you, Cole. I think they do a great job of dictating what they want to do. I think you come out each week and they're going to make you do what they want you to do on offense, and then they're going to grind it out when they're on offense, shorten the game. I, I kind of feel like you do, boss. I, I think Iowa's not just going to win this game. I think they're going to run away with it. I mean, they're going to have great atmosphere at their home stadium. Man, I they look tough. I, I think, uh, yeah, I like the Hawkeyes in this one too. I, I think they're going uh, – uh, Penn State ain't going to know what hit them. I mean, look, Penn State's win is, is Auburn. And I think if you really watch Auburn play, you know, is that really that great a win? I don't know. I mean, especially at home, I just I don't know. If, the road, I think it's a good win, but Holmes, I mean, I think it, I think it's a solid win. I don't, I don't think it's 
don't think it's like Iowa going to Iowa State and winning. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Well, this is an interesting game, too. More interesting than I thought it was going to be after what happened last weekend. LSU going to Lexington to play Kentucky uh, at Kroger Field. Night game again. We saw those white towels waving at Kroger Field on Saturday night when they beat Florida. Tough atmosphere. LSU coming off a tough home loss to Auburn. Uh, Kentucky is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home to stay undefeated which would make for a massive matchup between the hedges in two weeks. Who are you liking this one? I think Mark Stoops is the top seven or eight coach in the country. Uh, what he does year in and out at Kentucky is, is super impressive. I'm going to take Kentucky because I think he's the better coach, and I, I'm not impressed with LSU's offense at all, and I think Kentucky completely stops them. So I'm going to roll with the Wildcats. What do you think, boss? Ogeron got a pass last year because of all the opt-outs and the massive exodus to the NFL with the coordinators and the talent. I feel like he's on borrowed time at this point. I feel like last last week started it, and I feel like it's just going steadily downhill with all the allegations with Geist and the Title IX and all that stuff. I, I just feel like it's a, a matter of if not when that Ogeron's gone. And I mean, unless he goes on a massive run here, towards the end of the season and he's got they've got the toughest schedule the rest of the season in the conference i think i saw like the rest of their schedules like 22 and 6 record or something like that like it's insane and i just i don't see them going in there they their offense it stinks out loud they cannot move they cannot run the ball at all which for an lsu team is unheard of and you know this is like we said last week about florida this is a bad matchup for lsu when you can't run the ball and you got to rely on the pass you know, they're just going to tee up and come after you. This is not a good matchup for them. I think Kentucky, if they can find some semblance of a passing game with Levis and he doesn't turn the ball over, they're going to win this by two or three scores. I mean, you had LSU's offensive coordinator telling the commentators they were literally scared to run the ball last week. That's that's never never what you want. And you, you can't lose games against teams that are equal or slightly better in Death Valley at night and stay the coach there. Like, those are games you have to win. You have to beat Auburn at home. Um, especially this year. Yeah, I, I think this is a horrible matchup for LSU. I think Kentucky's presenting people thought a problem. The reason being, look, man, people say what they want about football, it's offensive game, all these things. Game hadn't changed that much, all right? If you control both lines of scrimmage, you're going to be just fine. And they have played fantastic on defense, which is not surprising with a Mark Stoops coach team. I agree with you, Cole. I think he's one of the best coaches in the country. I mean, he's all-time win in this coach now at Kentucky, uh, which I did think it was cool. He talked about in his post-game interview that my dad can now say he's got two sons that are the winningest coaches in the history of the two programs they coached, which I thought that was kind of neat. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think, I think this is a, a – their defense is formidable, and I think their offense does the things you need to do. They run the football well. That Wandale Robinson is a, is a threat on the inside and the outside. The kid Rodriguez can tote the rock. Um, and I think Levis just does just enough to make that offense move and shake. And they're playing at home. Dude, that place was rocking Saturday night. Okay. I mean, that atmosphere was awesome. Uh, so they got a they got another night game. Yeah. I like I like the Wildcats, man. I honestly thought that Nebraska was crazy for not giving him a look when that job was open. And I think he'd be a sleeper at USC too. I mean, I think the Nebraska especially, he's kind of He's kind of that blue collar type coach where they're gonna they're gonna hit you in the trenches and they're gonna try to find a way to score points. 
I thought that would have been perfect when Nebraska in the Big Ten, and I didn't even give him a look. Well, and, and let's think about this, too, now. I, we can't diminish how good a recruiter Yeah, exactly. That's why I think he's still at USC. Too, right? Because you're convincing – yeah, because you're convincing guys to come to a basketball school. I mean, there's no ifs, ands, ands, or buts about it. BBN, basketball school, period. Right. So, like, you're convincing elite talent to come play in the SEC and play at Kentucky. Got to be something said for that, man. I mean, yeah, 100%. he's doing something special there. All right, well, speaking of Nebraska, undefeated Michigan going to Lincoln to play Nebraska at night. Nebraska's defense has been looking pretty good. If they could figure out something on offense, I think this is an interesting game. Michigan's a three-and-a-half-point road favorite uh, playing the Cornhuskers, who have looked better of late. Who are you liking this one, Cole? I'm going to get burned because I, I just can't get behind Michigan and – Nebraska has been playing a lot, a whole lot better. They still haven't really been winning, but um, I, I'm still going to have to see more from Michigan. I might get burned on them all year, but I'm going to take Nebraska. What you think, boss? I'm going to continue to roll with the this year. Nebraska can't throw, and they're a bad. This is another bad matchup for them. The run defense of Michigan is is pretty good. They're not great, but they're good enough. And Nebraska is really one dimensional. Martinez, they don't even really try. They're they don't even really try to throw the ball that much anymore. They're really just going to line up and run smash mouth football at this point because they don't have any talent on the outside. This is another completely reactionary pick for me. Uh, Michigan has burnt me three weeks in a row. <laughs> so I'm, I'm picking them. I don't really like it. I, I think, I think Nebraska could win this game straight up. I really do. Uh, just cause Wisconsin obviously stinks, so I don't think we know who Michigan is yet. But I'm picking them just because they burnt me so many times. So, go Big Blue. <laughs> All right, this next one, I, I I just don't even think this is nearly enough points. But Alabama going to play Texas A&M in College Station uh, in front of the 12th man, 18.5-point road favorite. And I don't even think that's nearly enough. But uh, who do you like in this one, Cole? If I lose this competition, it's not going to be because I bet against Alabama. I'm going to take Bama. <laughs> if that if is I a, lose that, I'll be it. That is a good mantra to have. It has worked out well for others, and I think it will work out well for you. <laughs> what do you think, boss? Bama wins by 30, maybe 35. I mean, they can pick their number on this. Everybody, every talented player on A&M that is draft eligible – is thinking about the NFL at this point. Uh, this season's over for them. This is the first time that Jimbo's been 0-2 since he's been in the SEC, 0-2 in the conference. Uh, A&M's done. I, I would be shocked if they might go 7-6 and six or you know something like that. This season's over for them. Jimbo's agent is the greatest ever. No kidding. You darn right he is. <laughs> yeah, boy. Jimmy Sexton is earning that money, baby. I mean, he, he he's getting <laughs> He's getting that money. I, I don't know how they sell it, man. I mean, I, I, I feel really, like they've been just okay. I know they're I know they're I know they're hanging their hat on last year, but like even when they had Kellen Mond, who's like guy that's been in there four years, fair year to do it. Even stuck in the mud. Like, I don't know. I just I think Alabama will absolutely walk the dog on them on Saturday night. I mean, this could be maybe no different than what they did against Ole Miss. Like, they just control the game. And 
I think like us, they are head and shoulders above everybody else in the country. And I think they are absolutely going to dolly whop Texas A&M on Saturday night. So give me the tide in this one too. All right. This is the one we're here for boys. Deep South's oldest rivalry, 126th rendition. Let me hit y'all with some trivia here. 126 times dogs have played the Tigers. Where have they played this game the most? What city this game in the most? Oh, I feel like I saw this last year. Do I need to put multiple choice on this? Yeah. I can. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give you boys multiple choice. Most times hosting this game, Atlanta, Auburn, Athens, or Columbus? Columbus is so random. I'm going to pick it. What do you think, boss? Because uh, just to be different, I'll go Atlanta. But I feel like it's Columbus. Like that does sound that sounds familiar. Columbus is correct. Well yeah. done, Cole. Wilcox. Well done, my friend. It was too random not to be. For some reason, I was thinking Montgomery, but I knew it was a different city. It wasn't one of the two. It definitely wasn't Atlanta. Half road favorite. You think they cover that number, Cole? Yeah, I think they do. I mean, I think they're playing so well right now. I, I just think they're playing with so much confidence on defense. I don't. I don't think Auburn has the personnel to do anything again. Um, even I think we can score 28 points and cover that. How about you, boss? That number scare you at all? You think they cover that pretty easy on Saturday? As long as Bo Nix is the quarterback for Auburn, we're going to cover that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does not strike a lot of fear in me, just based on the sample size from the first two years playing him, especially last year. He looked just lost last year. Uh, against that defense, and I think the game plan will be better this year and the talent's better this year. So I feel good about him covering this number. I think it's going to be a a fun day to be a dog. And I think somebody posted this number. Maybe y'all can tell me you're wrong. I think Vanderbilt in the last 15 years has beat Georgia as many times as Auburn has beat Georgia which I think goes to show you that from a rivalry perspective, Georgia is really owning it for the last, you know, 10 plus years. Because yeah. what, what are the only years that we've lost? We lost in 17, which that stunk. So that was the, uh, yeah, that's right. 2010. Is that right? Was that 2010? Yeah. Cam Newton. 2010, 13 and 17. Oh, and 13 was the prayer. Jordan Hare. Prayer. Jordan uh, Hare. Yeah. Yeah. And then we revenge in 17. The one real loss. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's right. Yeah. They're obviously playing great football and have looked way better than, than, than Auburn has. So, well, hey, Cole, I'm going to be honest with you, brother. I'm rooting for you because – you picked a lot of the same stuff me and Boss picks. So. Yeah, I think <laughs> me and you Boss do well. Inherently, that means we do well. So, yeah, yeah. I, I brother, I hope you go ten and zero, man. <laughs> and let's just think about this. Let's let's just workshop this a little bit. If Cole wins and takes home the ten pounds of red, every time he comes off the bump in a winning effort next summer. I think they got to present him with the 10 pounds of red as the, as the victory supply there. 10 pounds of red and a six or a Mountain Dew, that will be the victory, the victory celebration next summer. That would How do you feel about that? It absolutely I mean, work. I mean, I, I think that has to happen. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that, though. So give everybody an update. How's the wing feeling? Head, head TJ, how's everything feeling? 
It's feeling good. Um, a month out tomorrow, so got most of my mobility back. I'm in the brace now. Uh, I'll start throwing, I think, around March, beginning of March. So just, just trying to get mobility back, kind of strengthen it up uh, until March, and then start the throwing program. That's good. That's good. Now, also something exciting to touch on, Charleston River Dogs, low A East champs, right? Yeah. Yeah, they, they did really well. Uh, they pulled it out, and it was good to see that they finished off the season how they started. Yeah, man, and I feel like uh, y'all's roster changed a lot, too. I mean, y'all came out like gangbusters. Y'all were stacked. I mean, y'all's pitching staff was good, guys really swinging it. But because of that, a lot of guys moved up, too, and they still played well. So I think that speaks to the Rays farm system. I mean, you got, y'all are loaded. I mean, as evidenced by the big club, they're playing great baseball, too. Um, but, yeah, it's got to be exciting to be a part of an organization with that much talent, huh? Yeah, it's a super loaded system. I mean, it's, I think most of our team that started in Charleston ended up in BG, and they won it all, too. So it's, it's just kind of plug in, replace, and keep winning. Yeah, man. Well, we are, uh, we're, root, we're rooting for you. Hope you come back throwing absolute BBs. And, you know, as we've told you, you're always welcome on the show because you're not just a DGD, but, brother, you, you know your stuff when it comes to dogs football, and we appreciate that. Yeah. So, and everybody that way. So we appreciate that. Yeah, I enjoy it. A lot of fun. All right, boys. Well, I hope it's uh, an absolute dump trucking on Saturday. And uh, go dogs, sick them. Go dogs. Hey, George is better now.